0: heart today all I am for your glory Father we thank you for the power of a responsive heart we thank you for the power of the word yes that God as your people we say yes Lord we say yes to you God we say take our lives multiply it take who we are what we have Lord use it for your own glory. It is our desire as children of God to bring glory to you, to glorify you, to honour you. And Lord, we thank you that we again this morning say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Take our lives, multiply it. All for your glory, God. Father, as we respond in our hearts, even as we've sung this morning, it's our desire that our lives would impact other lives. That the hope that we carry, the truth that we hold of who Jesus is would reach other lives who desperately need to hear that truth and receive that hope. And so we just simply say, yes, Lord, that's our daily decision. That's our daily commitment. Say yes, Lord. Take our lives. Multiply it. Lord, we live to bring glory to your name. We thank you that we're able to gather here this morning as the church, as a family, as a part of your body, and to bring glory to your name. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. You can grab a seat. Well, this is such an exciting day for us as a church family. Well, at least it's an exciting day for me. I hope it's an exciting day for you. Today is our, as you'll know, our Thanksgiving Faith Offering Sunday. Now, before I go any further, if you're visiting this morning and going, help, I've walked into the church's Giving Sunday. Of all the Sundays to choose, I've come to church on the day That is their giving. Here's what I want you to do. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy the morning. Because this morning really is our family Sunday morning gathered church where we come to give in faith to what we feel God has put in our hearts over the next 12 months and the coming year. This year we've called our giving series or our series Multiply. And we really truly do recognise that we need God to be the one who brings the increase through the faithfulness of his people. Today is just a faithfulness gathering. It's just a moment where the church comes together and we come together in faith and faithfulness and say yes to God, but also yes to the vision over the next 12 months, the areas that we're believing for increased fruitfulness in as we travel through the next year. I love how God has trusted every single one of us with some seed, some resource that He gives us the choice what we want to sow out of the resource that we have. I love that about God. But today is a celebration service. It is a celebration Sunday. I trust that there's an excitement in your heart as we join together in unity and faith and we get to later on in our service, give. But it's a celebration. Why? I pray it's a celebration because hopefully we're at this point we've already made up our minds, we've already settled our hearts, we've already hopefully heard from God on what we've decided that this year we want to give. And when you know that you know, however you've arrived at the decision you've arrived at, when you're comfortable with the decision that you've made, you are then released to give with great joy. It is no arm twisting, there's no pressure, You've already decided. That's why we take some weeks leading up, not just for a chance for us to preach into the series, but also for you to hear from God because when you hear from God, you get the chance to give in great joy. And there's no other way to give, by the way, than to give with joy. Can I get an amen? So we call it Thanksgiving faith offering rather than miracle offering. And part of the reason for that is once we've done our part, giving from a place of gratitude, giving from a place of faith in God, it's then up to Him to bring the miracle. And I wanna ask this question, what would a miracle look like? I've heard people say a miracle would be if the offering was really big. Well, that might be a miracle. It could be a miracle. For some, it might be miraculous giving, but I feel in a church the size of ours, A big offering shows the faithfulness of God's people to say yes to God around the vision. I think today is a day of thanksgiving and a day of faith. And the miracle we're asking God for is that out of our giving and out of the focuses of our giving, both when we plant our second location in Selwyn, the community ministries that we have coming out of the, the life of the church Here, the the global focus is that we have that someone would find Jesus Christ for the first time, that there would be an increased harvest of souls into the kingdom of God. For me, that's the miracle. For me, that's what we're asking God for. For me, that's why we're giving. Today, because we're saying to God, God, we want to see a miraculous harvest of souls into your kingdom. Yeah. People who before we gave never had the chance to meet Jesus, but because of our faithfulness, they came and had an opportunity to receive the hope of Jesus Christ. For me, that would be a miracle. At the start of this year, we started with this phrase that I felt God put in my heart Life, church, respond to my heart. So that more people would get the chance to know my son. Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that the mission of the church? That people would get the chance to know Jesus Christ. Today is just another response day. Another day to say yes to God in faith with thanksgiving. God, we are grateful to know you. We are grateful for all that you've done for us. Saying yes to you was the greatest decision any of us have ever made in our lives. It's our desire that people would come to know Jesus because that's the desire of the heart of God. God's heart is that none should perish. Every human being should have the opportunity to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour. And if that's God's heart, then that's also our heart. We heard from David McGregor last week that there's more people for us as a church to rescue. The kingdom of God is an ever advancing kingdom. We don't stay where we are, but we faithfully serve God through living out his mission. It's because there is a mission that God doesn't just zap us up into heaven in the moment we're saved. I like that. Did you like that? It wasn't, God just doesn't zap you the moment that you're saved. Why is that? Because our lives are designed to intersect with the lives of people who don't right now know Jesus. See, it's not an accident that you're not removed from this earth the moment that you're saved. You are designed, catch this, designed to be planted in the lives of people who God knows and loves, but they don't right now know Him. In fact, you're not designed to just bunker down and hang in there until Jesus Christ returns. And there are some people that believe that, well, we don't want the world to touch our lives, so we'll, we'll bunker down and just wait for the return of Christ. That's not the plan of God. It's not God's heart that, well, you stay a select little group of people and you stay safe until I return. You hide out until I return. That's not the heart of God or the plan of God at all. See, we've been intentionally sowing into other people's lives, that we might have an impact on them. We're not afraid of what the world might do to us. We're there to shine our light in the darkness and give people a chance to find hope in Christ. Now, there are many things that mark your life as a follower of Jesus. Many characteristics of your life that cause you to possibly have a greater witness than you think you're having right now. And one of those characteristics is thankfulness. Thankfulness is a mark of a child of God. As a believer, thankfulness is something that people will notice about your life. That even in the midst of life, the same life that others are living, you somehow find a way to continue to be grateful and thankful. It's an indication of your faith. Even when life is difficult, as we all go through those times, don't we? We all have difficult times in life. You are still able somehow to find joy. Somehow you're still able to worship God in the midst of it and glorify God through the way you live in the midst of the storms of life. It takes faith to glorify God and remain thankful in the midst of the storms of life of life. But how do we do that? Well, when we know God, when we have an eternal perspective, when we put our trust completely in Him, regardless of what we're facing, when He is at the center of our lives, though difficulties will come, if we hold to what we know is the truth of who Jesus is, and we will still end up glorifying Him and giving thanks to Him no matter what comes our way. Do you agree with me? The text I want us to look at this morning I've chosen simply to show us the importance of a life of thanksgiving and a life that glorifies God. The word glorify means to acknowledge and reveal the majesty and splendor Of God by one's actions. Now we use praise and worship, don't we, to glorify God? We use praise and worship to put God first and put Him in His rightful place in our lives, but also how we live a life centered on God brings glory to Him. You can glorify God through your job, your family, your sport, your hobbies, through whatever you do by keeping God in the center of your life. You can glorify God in everything you do when He's at the center of your life. Let's have a look at our text this morning, Romans 1. We're gonna read from verse 18 through to 23. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what? Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. We see in the middle of the passage, verse 21, that even though they knew God, they neither glorified Him nor gave thanks to Him. And their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts became Darkened. Now, living a life that both glorifies God and gives and gives thanks, in my reading of Paul's letter to Rome, becomes of vital importance to the Christian life. It is like Paul is really mapping out for us the Christian life. Really hangs on the ability to glorify God and to give thanks. Now, if you think about bringing glory to God and thanksgiving, if you don't live a life that glorifies God, you'll never find things to be thankful to God for. They go together. When we move away from glorifying God and living from a place of thankfulness, we move into what I call the danger zone. And this is what I felt when I was reading this passage this week. It's like there's a danger zone here For the church, there's a danger zone here for every person on planet earth and Paul is wanting us to have a warning. You see, Paul begins this passage with, the wrath of God is being revealed against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now the word wrath can be confronting for us when we think of wrath from a human viewpoint. For us, wrath speaks of anger or passion or desire for revenge. If someone receives our wrath, boy, they're going to see our revenge. If someone's crossed me or hurt me or or done something wrong and I was to pour out my wrath, I would want them to know that I'm coming after revenge. It's a human response to wrath. And so when we think of the wrath of God, it's almost like, oh, is God out to get revenge? Is it a God, the God that wants to punish us and take revenge upon us however <clears throat> excuse me this is not the wrath Paul refers to when it comes to God in this passage we see with people who know the truth of God but suppress the truth because of their wickedness in the end god gives them over to their own evil desires in other words god knows there's a better way to live but there are some people who know the truth about God, but hey, I don't wanna know the truth of who God is. In fact, I wanna suppress the truth of God because I wanna live the way I wanna live. I wanna live out of my sinful desire. I wanna gratify my own sinful way of living. And they begin to suppress the truth of who God is. And in the end, God gives them over to their own evil desires. God knows there's a better way, but He gives them over to their own evil desires. Look at verse 24 and 25. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. I like how Paul the Apostle puts that in at the end, by the way. He is forever praised, amen? He is the creator. He is God. This is who we're talking about here. We're talking about God who is forever praised. He doesn't miss an opportunity to remind us that this is the God who will be and will always be forever praised. But people have given over to a lie. They've suppressed the truth of the knowledge of God. See, living a life that glorifies God and living a life of thanksgiving is vitally important. Many who lose their their way in faith know the truth of God. They maybe even encountered Him in a powerful way. And I don't wanna sit here today and give you a list of reasons as to why people lose their faith or why people walk away, but I'll say this, we all are confronted with moments in our life where we could choose to suppress the truth and walk away from God. It's not just for one or two. The enemy's working very hard strategically at this. He'll bring disillusionment, discouragement, disappointment. He'll use all kinds of things to hopefully force us to suppress the truth of who God is and move us away from God. But people lose their way, they suppress the truth about God. But it started when God moved out of the center of their lives. When God moves out of the center of your life, you stop giving thanks thankfulness begins to dissipate and in the end begins to disappear. I'm no longer looking to God for my provision. I'm no longer looking to God for what I need. I'm looking at other things. God's no longer in the center of my life and he begins to slide out of the rightful place that he's meant to take in our lives and thankfulness begins to disappear. That's why we want to have a church that values worship. It values praise and worship because praise and worship puts God in His rightful place. I mean, I don't know what your weeks look like. I don't know if your week's distracting or you've got a lot going on and sometimes you think, help, I never even prayed last week. I never got round to reading my Bible. We want it to be a place. When you come in on a Sunday, there is no doubt who is important in this place, that God is the one who takes His rightful place in our midst, that we will praise and worship and glorify God with all our hearts. And we'll continue to do that. You can't replace that without gathering together. And I love that about Sunday. It doesn't matter what your week's been like. If you come to church, we are going together and we are going to glorify the only name that matters, the name of Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility. And when the world is seemingly wanting to do away with God, the world would love to make that just off to the side. We wanna hold God in his rightful place as the church. Having God at the center is vital in a day where everything is contending for the number one spot in your heart and in your life. There are a lot of distractions in the world that we live in. There is a lot going on that wants to be the most important in your life and most important in your heart. Thankfulness is a key to keeping God at the centre of it all. See, thankfulness forces me to remember what God has done for me and what God has done in me. It reminds me of how blessed I truly am. I don't know about you, but when I reflect on what God has done for me, when I take a moment and stop and think, man, look what God has done for me, but look what God continues to do in me. That brings God back to the centre of my life. That reminds me how important God is in the scheme of my eternity and in the scheme of my life. I've got so much that I can be grateful for. But I want you to look at the end result for those who gave way to sin and suppressed the truth about God. And you you know that Paul wrote this 2,000 odd years ago, but, but he could have been writing this last week. This could have been the letter that Paul was penning Last week, if people will suppress the truth, listen to Romans 1, the next few verses, verse thirty or 29 to 32. They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things but also approve of those who practice them. That's a scary list of outcomes for those who suppress the truth about who God is and in the end, God gives them over to their own evil desires What a horrible result. What kind of life is that to live? You've given up God for that list. You've given up who He is and glorifying and thanking Him and honoring Him for a list of qualities like that. That's why for me, days like today become so important. See, it's another moment where we say yes to God, where we say yes to Him in the area of our finance but we also again say yes to putting Him first in the, our lives, making sure that God is at the center of it all. Are you hearing the cry of my heart? God is meant to be the center of it all. He's the center of the church. He's our vision, but He's the center of your life. He's the center of your heart. We come from a place of thanksgiving, remembering all, remembering all that God has done for us. We continue to glorify Him by putting Him first in our lives. We gather and worship God together and we live lives that point people to Jesus. Can I just say this? We're not only meant to resist suppressing the truth, we're meant to elevate the truth. Where the world would say to the church, keep the truth that you believe quiet. Take it out of the realm of the public Just keep it to yourself, suppress the truth is what they're asking for. Our job was never to suppress the truth. The church's job, yours and my job, was always to elevate the truth of who God is. We wanna be a church who elevates the truth of who Jesus Christ really is. That's why we'll never just settle down, bunker down, hold on till the end. That's why we'll always have vision to reach out and tell people about Jesus. We're never called to suppress the truth or hide the truth. See, everybody ends up worshiping something in life. If it's not God, something else will take center place. We see it throughout Scripture. You can find it throughout Scripture where people had idols as something that was important in their life. You'll see it around your life today in friends and family. I can see it. And Paul says their thinking becomes futile. Now, the suggestion here that emerges from that statement is that mythology and ideology grow out of a man's insistent need to recognise some power in the universe as greater than themselves. Add to that refusal to give God the supremacy. Man will always find a substitution for God. Something will take prime place in their hearts. I don't know what it is. It could be a materialistic thing. It could be a person. It could be humanism. I don't know what it is, but something, if not God, will take primary place in the hearts of every human being. Idols are unreal and unprofitable and lead to futile thinking and in the end, further distance from God. In the West, we may not as often have physical idols made by the hand of a person, But as I said, humanism can become an issue, where now we worship people who are popular. Even pastors or church leaders can become far too important in our lives and become somebody that we're now listening to more than God. We're listening to the preaching or the podcast or something more than I ever pick up the Bible. If we're not careful, if we don't become aware, something else can slide into the center place of our life. And that's not God's plan for us. God is designed to be the center of your life. A club, an organization, a charity can become more important in your life than God if you're not aware of it. See, the enemy wants to subtly move God out of the center of your life. That's his plan. That's what he's working on. He's working on removing God from being important in your heart. His desire is that we move from engaged with God and engaged with His work to self-importance or worship of another, which leads to futile thinking and separation ultimately from God. That's the devil's plan. And I said before, he'll use discouragement or disillusionment. He'll use all kinds of things to try and force something else into the center of your heart. I'm disappointed with the pastor of our church. And if it stays like that, maybe I'm disappointed with the church itself. It hasn't given me what I needed. It hasn't done for me what I was hoping it would do for me. And if I'm disappointed with my church, maybe in the end, I'll end up disappointed with God himself. And the enemy will work very hard at trying to make sure that God is not center of your life. He will work at trying to maneuver your life so that something else becomes more important. That's why I love the gathered church. So I think you can never replace this because I come and I gather with others and I give God all the praise and I worship God regardless of my circumstances, regardless of what is going on. I'm part of the body and family of God and so I will come and I will worship God and I'll make sure that I make sure that God is in the center of it all. This is why glorifying God, worshiping Him, putting Him first and thanksgiving are so vitally important in the Christian walk. I believe these are two vital keys that Paul gives us in this first letter in Romans. Put God first in everything, not just in one or two things. Live a life of thanksgiving. Today, we get to give thanks. We get to put our faith in God by saying to Him, God, guess what? In every area of my life, you are number one, including my finance. God, you. Are number one, my faith in who I know you are is so important. The truth of the God whom I serve, I need to hold on to. I need to know God. I need to know the truth of God. I don't need to suppress it. I need to elevate it. Let me give you some statements of faith that help give me perspective when I need it. Because I think there are moments in our lives where we need to remind ourselves of the things we've got to be thankful for. We need to have some statements of faith. You might not need to because you might have it all together, but I need to have a number of statements of faith. When my life gets fragile or things get a bit rocky or things go a bit askew, I need some statements of faith and things to be thankful for. So here's just my wee list. I don't doubt that God, you are good. I don't question that you are faithful. I understand you truly are my only eternal hope. I acknowledge that there is no other way to heaven. I look to you for what I need because God, I trust you completely. Even when it's difficult, that has to become a statement of faith because I know the truth and my circumstances will want me to suppress the truth, but I'm telling my circumstances, no, no, I will trust God completely. I don't understand everything and why things happen the way they do, but it does not shake my belief in who you are and how much you love me. Does anybody need to hold on to that one? I don't understand it all, God. I don't know why these things are happening to me, but they will not shake my faith in who you are and my understanding of how much you love me. I will give thanks in all circumstances for i know this is your will for me in christ jesus i know you have blessed me and i will never doubt that regardless of my circumstances i know you are with me in my joy and in the midst of my pain i won't quit on you because you gave your life for me is that a statement of faith for anybody i won't quit on you god you gave your life for me, I will glorify you and give you all the praise. I will never run out of things to be grateful for. My eternity is in your hand. Get this one. Purchased by your blood, accessed through my personal surrender. I give out of love and reverence and gratitude for all you have done. The worship team, you can come back and join me. Thankfulness is so vital for the survival of the Christian life. Thankfulness defends me against the attempts of the enemy to get me disillusioned and unhappy with God. You want to know how to counter disappointment? I don't know if you recognise this, but this is how I deal with it. You want to know how to counter disillusionment? Thankfulness. You want to know how to overcome a difficult season? may not be that easy in church. It may not be that easy in family. It may not be that easy in my job. It may not be that easy at school. It may not be that easy in my sports team. The way I overcome it is with thankfulness. And it's a key that God has given us. He doesn't need us to go around telling Him how awesome He is. We need to go around telling Him how awesome He is. We need to go around giving thanks to God for what He's done. See, the enemy wants you unhappy and thankfulness defends you against it. If you want one great care in your life, write that one down. I promise you. So today in a little bit, when we come to give, I want to encourage you to take a moment and again, just thank God for all He has blessed you with. When you come to give, it truly is a great moment of thanksgiving. And it's also a great moment of realigning your faith and trust in God. It's a phenomenal moment of saying to God, God, it's my desire to glorify you. God, I'm so thankful for all that you've done and all that you've given. I recognise across this auditorium this morning represented here are a whole lot of sacrifices. A whole lot of people are saying, God, I'm I'm willing to sacrifice and surrender and say yes. And you've prayed and you've waited on God and you've Come to this place today. You're saying, God, my desire, let me give it words for you, is to glorify you. My desire is to put you first in everything, and every part of my life. And today's just another moment where we get a chance to do that. We're gonna sing a song here in just a moment. Parents, this is your chance to go and get your kids because this is a family moment. It's a moment for the children to come in and to join us. Or maybe you've come this morning and thought, oh no, I left my envelope at home. We've got stations around the auditorium where you can still go and fill out an envelope and be a part of it this morning or this FPOS and at the Life Church station. Will you stand with me as I pray? Father, it is our desire to bring glory to you. It is our life's work to honour you glorify you and put you first. But God, as a church, life church, it is our desire that people would come into relationship with Jesus who right now don't know Him. And as we prayed at the start, off the back of that song, all I am for your glory. Take my life, multiply it. God, that is the desire of our hearts. Father, we look to you with faith that God, there is a harvest to come in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's sing together.